All right, ladies and gents, we are back with another NLX2 podcast. One of my favorites. I am highly excited for what we got going today. Um, and it's a, it's a little bit hits closer to home. And I hope that other people can take bits of knowledge and bits of information from this and possibly go a route that you would like to go. So first and foremost, the Iron Chapel. Uh, I am one of the owners of the Iron Chapel here. It's strength and conditioning at its finest. What we're trying to do is empower performance and increase athleticism, period. That's it. So we give an individualized approach to geared towards reaching next level for athletes. We want to make sure that we provide them with the most tools that they can have to increase their performance on the field. We're not a sports-specific gym putting bands on baseball bats and jumping with bands and all this stuff. That's not how it goes. We need to make sure we can increase the performance traits to ensure success or to increase the chance of success. So if you're interested, we got one-on-ones, we got group trainings, we got whatever you need, we can help you. Reach out to us at at Coach Wortman. That again, at Coach underscore Wortman on Instagram or the Iron Chapel on Facebook. Next and last is Nutridine, okay? I am affiliated with Nutridine for one reason. You know what you're getting. The testing's there. The quality's there. You're not just getting something from GNC or whatever it is. So we want to give these the people that listen to this podcast an opportunity to empower your performance through supplementation and nutrition. So listeners of this podcast get 20% off on supplements. You just need to reach out to me on at coach underscore Wartman or on Facebook at Coach Wartman. So Nutridine is a medical supplement company geared towards addressing the underlying causes of disease and maximizing performance. Like I said, listeners of this podcast get 20% off and a free medical supplement consultation with me. So today, glad we're done with that. Today, we have a podcast all about Power Athlete everything power athlete. So we're going to go over what power athlete is. What is the block one experience? Why should you do the block one? Why shouldn't you do the block one? Um, And my experience through that, what we're not going to do is give pointers and tips and secrets. And what did I do? What did this person do? Why did I pass? Why didn't this person pass? It's not how it goes. We want to make sure that we have a huge high barrier of entry for coaches so that we get the best of the best. So that the people that are signing up are the people that we want to hold as a block one coach. There's a responsibility that comes with that. And that's why I grab, I levitated towards that. That's why I was pushed into that because that's what I want. That's what I want for my athletes. That's what I want for myself and anybody else that wants to go that direction. So, um, like I said, the power athlete block one. But we're going to start from 2012. We're going to start way back. So how did I even get how did I even get to power athlete? Um, power athlete started um, originally out of a need and it started out of um, performance in CrossFit. So CrossFit started. Um, John Wellborn, CEO of Power Athlete, was approached and asked if he could talk and help train um, performance for CrossFit athletes. At that time, John Wellborn just got out of the NFL. Um, he'd played 10-year stint in the NFL, and then he was progressing from that NFL career into what he does now. So how did I find Power Athlete? 
And um, to be completely honest and straightforward, I found Power Athlete through a good buddy named Sam Haroff. So Sam had been listening to Power Athlete Radio um, early on. Right when he graduated, I still had one or two more years of college football, I believe. Um, feeling old now. It's, it's been a while. Had one or two more years. And he, I, I asked him, like, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What is all this stuff? Because Sam helped instill what I carry with me for coaching now. So he, uh, the, the hard work, the dedication, the, the 45 pounds is always going to be 45 pounds. It doesn't matter. There's no BS. It's very black or white in the weight room. You can either do it or you can't do it. And so I took a lot of knowledge from him, even if he didn't know that. So he turned me on to Power Athlete Radio. Power Athlete Radio had just started and they were still with CrossFit. So at this point, they were still affiliated with CrossFit. They we're doing what was called CrossFit football. So if anybody remembers that, back in the day, it was performance-based CrossFit within under the CrossFit umbrella. But John Wellborn was the creator of CrossFit football. And so I just started diving into it. They had a little bit of comedy in there. Luke and Tex think they're a little bit funny. Um, and so I, I, I gravitated towards that. But at the point, it was very CrossFit-centric. So they were under the umbrella of CrossFit, um, but teaching performance. So that, there's two different lines that are drawn when we're talking about performance and just having a huge motor. So we need to make sure that those are that those are separate, and that's really what ended up deciding power athlete from CrossFit. So they went out of CrossFit. And um, it, it was for the better because what they're trying to teach is true performance for athletes instead of just building a huge base or a huge engine for these athletes. So I found them at this pivotal time, at this really um, different time for them. I was just a young boy looking for guidance in the passion that I had. I didn't know anything. I didn't know my ass from my face. I did whatever I saw other people do. So that's a point where I was just looking for guidance and power athlete was the first thing that I was able to see. So why, like, I guess, why would I gravitate towards that? Um, a big thing is my, my family is huge military family. A lot of my family is in the military. I have one regret in my entire life and it was not going to the military. But then I look back and then I look and I see that I'm here because of the path that I took. Um, but I also think that, to be honest, I would have been a really good soldier. That's um, kind of how I was built, how I brought up. So I really regret that portion, but it is what it is. So I gravitated towards them um, because they have a no bullshit mentality. It's you do this or you don't do this. The weight is 250 pounds today. It's 250 pounds tomorrow, and it's 250 pounds next year. So we want to make sure that this black and white and power athletes, very black and white. If it doesn't fit within a principle, it doesn't, it doesn't belong there. You can build your own philosophy, but philosophies are just fluff. So, and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but it acted, power athlete acted as guidance for me when I was young, didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, and I didn't even jump on any of their programs. I didn't jump on CrossFit football. I was never on field strong up to that point, never on Jack street, Johnny Watt, nothing. 
So uh, it was just, uh, it, was a, it was a beacon of light for me um, in a sense. So at that point, I never was affiliated with CrossFit. I never dove into the methodology or the cult of what it is at that time. And so I never had that background. A lot of people that got involved with CrossFit, or excuse me, with Power Athlete, had the CrossFit background. They were owners. They were trainers. They did CrossFit. They had That was their first exposure to a barbell. My first exposure to a barbell was true, pure strength and conditioning. It was never with CrossFit. And I wish that that path would cross people's lives more often than the CrossFit path. However, CrossFit brings people to the barbell, brings people to the gym, brings people to these movements and can help them see the light at the end. So that's something that I, uh, I, I hold positively towards CrossFit and um, I just never got into it. I have family members that own CrossFit gyms. I never got into it. So at that time, um, they were still having CrossFit football. They had it, it, Power Athletes started as a traveling seminar business. That was it. They'd go around. They'd preach the good word of strength. They'd preach the good word of um, all these different principles. And that was it. That was what they were. They were a gym and a traveling seminar business. So what is Power Athlete now? Uh, th- this is a multifaceted answer, but it's strength and conditioning coaching company aimed at battling the bullshit and empowering performance. Whatever they do underneath that blanket, it always comes back to battling the bullshit and empowering performance. Uh, This is, like I said, it's multifaceted. They do this in many different ways, but everything they do goes back to that. And so that's, that's a very cool thing that you can be rooted in something so, so simple but everything you do is rooted back to that. Um, and they empower and performance in so many different ways, man. Um, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but just a toes forward model. Seems so simple. Seems like, oh, that, that makes sense. But why do they do it? There's a very specific reason why they do that. And they do a very good job of telling you why they do that. So um, like I said, they were a chain of gyms in Costa Mesa, California that were affiliated with CrossFit. Um, Tex and Luke Tex McQuilkin and Luke Summers, um, you should have heard these guys on the podcast early on. I mean, just knuckle deep in CrossFit, just loving it. And that's all they knew at that time. And that's all I would have known at that time if that's all I was exposed to. But after a while, after a few years, they realized that the bullshit that CrossFit was putting out about performance. But guess what? CrossFit does great in its sector. It does so good so great. And I hope the best for them because I love watching CrossFit. I love watching the CrossFit games. It is intense. Those are some stud athletes, both men and women, but the line needs to be drawn between performance and CrossFit. There's, those are two separate things. So after a few years, they kind of realized that they realized that they were going to have this void in between this because John Wellborn playing in the NFL for 10 years doing performance and the football game for his living realized that CrossFit did not equal performance and performance did not equal CrossFit. So this was, um, this was the birth of CrossFit football. And then this was the birth of them getting out. So they then decided to split once CrossFit took a turn away from performance into just fitness. So, uh, that's, 
that's where they went from there. And now a little bit more personally, and this is just, is just off the top of the noggin, fellas, um, me talking about my journey to being a block one coach. Again, no tips, no nothing to give you an advantage in this because we want the best of the best. So I was a young whip, whippersnapper, um, just looking for knowledge, man. I was looking for knowledge, started training high school kids and training at a big box gym, a community center. Well, um, I still at that time didn't know my ass from my head. I thought I did. I uh, graduated with an exercise science degree and was just training general population and then training high school athletes. Um, so from there, all I was doing was listening to Power Athlete Radio. Every single time they would come out. They always came out on Fridays. If I wasn't listening to a Power Athlete Radio on Friday, I was dead. Every single one. I believe that I would be in the top two for most listened episodes ever. So if you guys can check that, check my IP address, check whatever the hell you need to check, I guarantee I'm in the top two. The only person that's probably listened to them would be text John and Luke. Um, I've listened to every single podcast because I gravitated towards comedy, a little com uh, comedic relief, good strength and conditioning knowledge and experience. I mean, you had John who played 10 years in the NFL and he knew what he was doing. He was very successful at it. And then he is now giving that knowledge to others. And so I, I really push towards listening to everything I could. Um, years go by and I'm still following the boys at Power Athlete. Never truly jumped on a, a training program yet. At this point, I was uh, dabbling, <clears throat> building my own philosophy off of these principles, kind of just put getting my feet wet in the industry. So I was never truly on a program like Jack Street or Field Strong, but I was I was following them very, very closely. And I finally decided in 2018, 2019 to go to the Power Athlete Symposium. Uh, this was a phenomenal experience, um, but I was wanting a little bit more, I guess you could say. So the symposium is a freaking great experience, man. Um, met people way smarter than myself, way more successful than myself, just humbled me. And I was able to meet people like Cal Dietz. I was able to meet John Luke and Tex and their families. I was able to meet Lindsay Matthews, the owner of BirthFit. And then I met Darren Hansen there as well. Um, I had somebody, a baseball kid, don't, and he reached out to me and he said, hey, yo, one of my buddies is also at that Power Athlete Symposium. His name's Darren Hansen. You should reach out to him. Well, little did I know that this would be the building block to me going to be a, a block one coach for Power Athlete. So um, I talked to Darren for a little bit, just just shooting the shit, just hanging out. And uh, we were hanging out at the symposium and he, I heard that he was a block one coach. I was interested. I was intrigued. So I asked him, I said, like, what does it entail? Like, what, what makes you a block one coach? What do you have to do? And he said, just start with the methodology. Just start with the methodology. Decide if you want to be a block one coach and go from there. And um, so that's kind of what got me onto the power athlete methodology in the block one. Um, at this symposium, there was, uh, we were, we, we were, getting money and having fundraisers for um, a few things with during with Power Athlete and Tex and Luke both got tased at this symposium. So I knew this is the place I wanted to be because I've been tased a few times. These are the guys I want to hang out with. These are the guys that have the mentality that I have. So talking to Darren, getting to meet all these cool people, Cal Dietz, who's been 
and I'll talk about him later, but he's been, he's been the most influential strength coach in my entire life. And I had never met him before that point. He's put out such great material. He's done such good things with athletes and I followed everything that he did. So, um, enter Darren Hansen and throughout the weekend, like I said, we just talked small talk a little bit and he sparked that because by the time I landed in Dickinson from Austin, I had already ordered my methodology and my methodology was already at my house. So I completely dove head in first into that methodology and um, that was the best thing that I could have done. So that was in December and I just took my test this September. So I'd been studying for a little less than a year, but um, I dove head first into that methodology and all the methodology is very simply put and very generally put is empowering and fostering athleticism from a principle-based education, not philosophy-based. If we get into the philosophy-based, we get into the weeds, we get into, oh, I think this is a good exercise because I saw Ben Bruno doing it with Kate Upton. No, you, you are too far off into the weeds. Empowering and fostering athleticism from a principle-based allows you to battle the bullshit right then and right there. Example, if I see a movement on Instagram or whatever it is, okay, how does that movement teach my athlete to move well and how does that relate back to overload, reversibility, accommodation, individuality, specificity, primal movement, said principle, accelerated adaptation? How does that get us back to the principles that have drove strength and conditioning for years. How does that get us back to the, the, these giants that we have stood on their shoulders for years? How does it get back to the people that were actually doing the work to come up with accommodation and reversibility and overload? If it doesn't, it has no place in the strength and conditioning world or that program. So we need to make sure that we can battle the bullshit on a daily basis, on an individual basis, because there's a lot of shuff, stuff out there. There's a lot of trainers training celebrities out there. It's not always right for performance. So we need to make sure that we that we can delineate that, that we can make that difference right then when it happens, relate it back to the principles. So getting back into it after that tangent, empowering and fostering athleticism through principle-based education, not philosophy-based, is what the methodology is very generally. And so when we go with through the methodology, it's going to show you and, and educate you on how to build athletes through performance traits that translate to the field. It's not putting bands on a baseball swing or it's not um, whatever is these crazy stuff that people are doing, this sports-specific crap. It's how to build athletes through performance traits that translate to the field. That's simple. It's simply put, whatever means or movements we use to teach movement, we have to make sure that those are, are spot on. We have to make sure that we're teaching movement, not just teaching a movement to teach it. Okay? So the power athlete definition of athleticism is the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known or novel task. What the heck does that mean? So the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly 
The athlete needs to be able to do it without thinking, unconscious competence. We need to make sure that they can do the movement without having to think because thinking is slow. Then we need to effortlessly combine primal movement patterns. We have all of our primal movement patterns. We have our squat, our lunge, and our step up. We have our vertical push, our vertical pull, our horizontal push, and our horizontal pull. Those are our primal movement patterns that all athletic movement is boiled down to a variation or a form of those. So we need to make sure that they are successful and have competency of those movements to help translate to the field. That's the way we build athleticism. And then lastly, through space to accomplish a known or novel task. We need to allow the athletes to move through space. We can't just bilaterally hip hinge for days. If you're doing all your workouts and you can do them all in a doorway, it's not athleticism. So we need to be able to combine primal movement patterns through space seamlessly and effortlessly to accomplish the known or novel task. And that is generally what you're going to get out of the power athlete methodology. So um, this is one thing that you'll get out of that. And I had a question about this from one of my followers talking about why do I always preach toes forward? Why do I always preach this? And this person that asked this is a power lifter. And power athlete has squished this bug multiple times. Um, But the toes forward model is not, our goal is not to have athletes squat to squat. We're having them squat to translate to the field. So how do we get the neurological adaptation we want to translate to the field? It's not just going as heavy as we possibly can from point A to point B. We need to make sure we have a standard. And a toes forward model is the standard. So having a toes forward model and having a toes out model, if you look at the firing sequence of a squat, if we go in a toes forward model or we go to a toes out model, the toes out model is not going to allow you to have the exact, the correct firing sequence. So when it boils down to that, we need to have the glute hamstring and then opposite QL fire in that order. When we go toes out, that is not the case. So if we are going to have a setup and execution that translates to performance, we need to make sure we're held to that standard, not just moving the most weight from point A to point B. And that's something that is an overarching theme in the toes forward model. And it awesome, awesome way to show or tell these athletes. You have them sit in a universal athletic position, toes forward, and then you externally rotate those feet out. Okay, we're going to hinge, we're going to be in our good athletic stance, and you're going to pull on that knee. That knee is going to pull easier than you think. The person's going to fall or have to stumble. Then we go into toes forward model. We go into toes forward position in our UAP. You pull that leg and we have much better ability to generate force into the ground in a toes forward model. So having toes forward is not just just because that's what we want them to do. John Wellborn, playing 10 years in the NFL, was able to see that if, if, a, if a lineman, if somebody took a bucket step, they are going to get rolled. So if we externally rotate and sit down into our bucket step, they're going to get rolled. If an athlete can hold a toes forward position, he knew at that point 
that it was going to be a long day, that it was going to be tough to battle that person. So we need to make sure that we're doing it for a reason and we are doing it to have the best translation into on-field performance. So that toes forward model is superior when we're trying to change directions, when we're trying to sprint, when we're doing plyometrics, when we're squatting. This is the firing sequence we need from our toes forward model, so that's what we're going to do. Again, that is observed from a veteran in 10 years in the NFL, not me who played Division II NAI football, somebody that did it for the at the highest level that this world has to offer. So being able to effectively produce force into the ground is increased when we're toast forward. Um, so that's my tangent. That's my last tangent we're going on here, ladies and gents. Um, so that was my dog. She's very vocal. Um, but the block one experience uh, was crazy. Let's just let's just put it that way. Um, we could stop the podcast now if we wanted to. But what is the block one to start? So what is the block one? It's the hardest but most gratifying experience um, and you could call it a test experience in the world in strength and conditioning. It's not a seminar. Um, you're not going there to look at, oh, this guy trains at USC. Well, I'm only at UCF, so he has better athletes. Therefore, he's a better strength coach. That is not true strength and conditioning. That's collegiate strength and conditioning right now, but that's not true strength and conditioning. Um, so again, it's not a seminar. You're truly going there to become a better coach. They are going to test you like no other. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. And if you are not prepared, you leave home empty-handed. It's happened more than you think. Many people have come there not prepared. Many people have come there and not been able to perform at the highest stage. And they left empty-handed. And that's not a good feeling, fellas. So be prepared when you go there or if you do go there because nothing is given. So at the Block One experience, um, you're tested physically, mentally, educationally as you apply the methodology that Power Athlete has um, in multiple different ways, in multiple different time frames, in multiple different occurrences. Everything you do is tested. And that's all I'm going to say with that. You're, you're being tested physically, mentally, and educationally as you go through the entire weekend. It's not sitting in front of this laptop looking at a picture of an athlete doing a box jump and saying, what's wrong with this? That's what I had to do for my CSCS. And that's the governing body that allows me to train athletes. And quite frankly, it's a, it's a very inferior and incomplete test. However, you're going to jump through the hoops that you need to jump through to get there. So the block one experience, you're getting tested physically, mentally, educationally, as you apply this methodology and you're getting to talk to these people that have done this for a living, that are the best that they, the, the best coaches you've ever met. And they are one feeding into you, but two holding you to a standard. Because if you're a block one coach, you reflect them and they reflect you. So we need to make sure that you're at this standard that you can hold the responsibility and the standard to be a block one coach. And that's the reason why many people leave empty handed because they're not going to hold that standard. So this gets us to who should attempt this test. Well, what I'm going to tell you is who shouldn't. If you are not mentally strong, don't go to the block one. If you think you know it all, don't go to the block one. If you are not going to empty your cup, 
don't go to the block one. This is serious, people. They 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 aren't going to. They are not going. They'll see through the bullshit because that's what they do for a living. So iron sharpens iron. As you go there, you need to feed into these people, and they are going to feed into you and help you with knowledge and give you all this stuff. And they're going to give you all the tools you need to be successful. It's what you do with those tools to make you successful that's going to dictate block one or not. So um, these people are serious about fostering athleticism. That is the whole goal. There's no other place to go in the world if you're truly trying to be better, a, be better a coach for performance. Is there better places to learn communication? I would go talk to Brett Bartholomew. Is there a better place to learn how to do whatever? Yes. Is there a better place to learn how to be a better coach for performance? No. Hands down. I can say that with very high confidence. So um, it's not sports-specific training. It's not all this stuff. It's fostering athleticism. So my experience um, was just under a year of just under one year of studying. Um, you can ask my wife. It was every single night, even if it's for five minutes before I fall asleep and start drooling on my book. Going through the methodology was a grind, but it was so educational. They they do a really good job of being able to retain the knowledge. They want to give you the tools but they're going to hold you to a standard of those tools to be successful. So I was able to study and apply the principles each day was what really helped. I was able to read um, Bedrock. That's one of their foundational programs. Um, Read Bedrock and apply it. I was able to do that stuff that helped ingrain that in my brain. And I think that was why I was able to be halfway successful. Um, This experience and power athlete as a whole means a ton to me. Um, it's just, you can ask my wife. Um, it's, it's very annoying because on Fridays I'm doing nothing but listening to power athlete podcasts. Uh, this whole year I was just training and getting experience and reading through the methodology. I don't know why, but I think that the, the guys at power athlete and everything they do aligns with what I like and what I do so much that it means a shit ton to me. The power athlete methodology, the block one experience, power athlete as a whole, I've always just pushed towards that. I've always just wanted to be a part of it. Um, It's a brother and sisterhood that is different from any other brother and sisterhood because you got Navy SEALs, you got medical doctors, you got physical therapists, strength coaches, teachers, military army, whatever it is, you have all these people with all these different backgrounds and you get to be a part of those people. And it is freaking awesome. And so I've gravitated towards that. And it's something that you can't get anywhere else. And so I was very, very nervous, obviously, because it meant a shit ton to me that I was so nervous. And I was trying to explain this to people. And I want to put this image in your guys's mind real quick. I was getting married on September 27th of last year, and I was up above. I was up above the place where I was getting married. So I'm looking at the altar. I'm looking at the, at the pews down there, and I see all these people, tons of people, hundreds of people that came there for me and Kelby, me and my wife. 
and I almost got sick to my stomach. It hit me then. I knew I was going to marry this girl. I knew we planned this wedding or she planned this wedding. Um, I knew all this stuff. But I was so nervous once I saw all these people filing and those people were there for us. That is, I've never been nervous, so nervous that I felt like I was going to puke. The one occasion was when I was married and the one occasion was when I was waiting to see if I passed the block one. I thought I was going to puke. I don't get nervous. You know those people that do hard conditioning and they throw up? I've never done that, ever. And I was about to freaking puke. That's how much it meant to me to be able to go through that experience. Win or lose, I got to go through the experience. And that's how that's that's how I looked at it. So physically, I was challenged over my limits. Um, it was something where I just had to go to a dark place in my head and do it. We had some grueling workouts. And um, so I, you just had to get in your head and go. Because if you thought about it, you were going to fail. I'm not going to give any hints on those workouts, but they were brutal. So be physically prepared. Um, Mentally, I was broken down. Um, I was overloaded with knowledge. I kept on, I need to study these note cards. I need to look at the methodology. I need to know how to teach this. It was too much. And so by design, very much by design. And so I was mentally broke down. And educationally, I was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. But the the thing is, is I studied enough so that I was competent, but I was still nervous. I didn't know how I did. So um, my overall experience is you are tested on everything. Book smarts, how you coach, being physical, educational, mental, whatever it is, and how you can apply that. Everything is a test. And by design, it was that that's my experience of the block one. I loved it. It was hard, but gratifying long, but worth it. Exhausting, but energizing at the same time. The feeling of having that block is unlike any other thing, anything. It, it means a lot because it means all this studying you did, uh, everything you did. And the coolest thing is the people, man, you get to be a part of every block one coach in that group is smarter than I. Every one of them. They're all just the top-notch people that push the envelope of performance each day and battle the bullshit. That's it. You get to be a part of this brother and sisterhood that is so cool, man. It is, it's really cool. And to hold the standard of a block one coach and have the responsibility to battle the bullshit each day is awesome. Um, so since everyone doesn't pass, you get the cream of the crop. You get the people that deserve it. Um, so you, you get to be a part of this elite group of individuals and continue to just push that envelope, keep on pushing, um, giving ideas, getting ideas, emptying your cup, filling your cup. And, uh, these are the best individuals, best coaches in the world. And, uh, like I said, it's a brother and sisterhood that you, unlike any other that you don't get from anywhere else. So that's very, very, very cool. And, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. And so why do I think that block one is superior to the others? One, you don't sit in front of a screen looking at pictures of multiple choice questions and call yourself a coach. There's loopholes that you have to jump through, so I'm not going to get through that. You have to suffer phys- you have to suffer physically, apply the training, apply the knowledge. You have to do all this stuff so that they know you know your stuff. And so you can elaborate on that. Um, and it's not like a CrossFit level one. You don't just pay the money 
go there. Everybody passes. Everybody gets an attaboy. Here's your participation trophy. Here's your participation ribbon. No. Everything is earned. Everything. So it's not like CrossFit Level 1 that everybody passes. CrossFit just wants your money. You're going to go there. You're going to pay them for the block one, or excuse me, the level one and go out. This is so much different. And I would, I would challenge because there are tons, maybe a majority. I don't know. John Luke text, maybe a majority of the people there have CrossFit backgrounds or own CrossFit gyms or X, Y, and Z. And they want to find something bigger than that. So I'm not just doubting it. Um, just to doubt it. Um, so where do we go from now? And uh, it's just continually applying the principles, learning from other coaches, and empowering performance. That's it. The block one, just getting the block one is the start. Um, it's like Harry Shaw said, it's level one, step one. Um, from here, it's, it's, all, it's all learning. It's all a journey from there. So that's my spiel on the block one. If you can't tell, I get a little fired up about it. It means a ton to me, and it's fun and exhilarating to be a part of such a superior group. And so, in closing, um, I had a question from my dude, Alec Vines. Um, He asked me, who is my Mount Rushmore of strength and conditioning? And I waited two weeks to answer it. Um, That's a tough question, man. There's a ton. There's a ton of people that could be on this list. And um, so in no particular order would be the first would be Cal Dietz, Cal Dietz out of Minnesota, um, <laughs> made triphasic training, does just phenomenal work um, with uh, French contrast and his whole triphasic method and has found success. Next one would be Yuri Vergesonsky, the godfather. Um, just the absolute godfather of uh, strength and conditioning. He's, if, if, okay, let's just put it this way. If, if I'm saying his name and it doesn't ring a bell, ask some questions. Okay. Charlie Francis, number three. Um, Charlie Francis has multiple books, but Charlie Francis training systems. Um, big thing that power athlete uses that I've caught on and really like about Charlie Francis is his dynamic med ball work. And being CNS efficient for everybody. And then number four, as a collective power athlete, reason behind this, reason behind this is they take all three of those above mentioned people and combine them into a training system. One of the most important things about power athlete would be their toes forward model. Well, that came from John Wellborn. And so as a collective with Harry Shaw, all the block one coaches, um, John Luke and text, everybody, they would be on there too because they've put all this huge information that's hard to digest into a principle-based strength and conditioning company. So that would be my, that would be my Mount Rushmore right there, those four. And, uh, I appreciate you guys listening. If you guys have questions about the Power Athlete Block One experience, if you have questions about what Power Athlete is, who Power Athlete is, um, reach out. I would love to help you guys and um, get you started off in the right direction. So, um, again, thank you guys for everything you guys do. And uh, we will have another NLX2 podcast next Friday. So, have a great one. Thank you guys. And reach out if you have any questions. Laters.